If you're a parent who loves Jesus, what are you doing to nurture your child's spiritual life? Here's Pastor Trent Griffith. Jesus loves these children, but as a parent, we have to understand that our children must come to the place where they choose to love Him back. Listen, the number one role of a parent in a child's life is to become that child's evangelist. We talk a lot about making disciples around here. Hey, you can't jump over your kids and start making disciples in your small group. Jump over your small group and start making disciples in Michiana. Jump over your small group and start making disciples in Liberia. You gotta start at home. Welcome to this special Father's Day edition of Resonate with Trent Griffith. He's the father of five, and he's also the senior pastor of Harvest Bible Chapel right here in Granger, Indiana. I'm Aaron Paulus. And even though today is a special Father's Day edition, you don't have to be a father. You don't even have to be a parent to learn from today's program. We're in a series here on Resonate called Simply Pray. And that's really an expression of our desire right here at Harvest to be a community that takes praying seriously. Today and next week, Pastor Trent will remind us of our God-given responsibility to simply pray for the children that God brings into our lives. Here's Pastor Trent. I've got my Bible open to Matthew chapter 19. Where do you have your Bible open to? Yeah, you're on your way there for sure. And uh, we're continuing in our Simply Pray series. I'm hearing so many stories from individuals and small groups and even our entire church that are being changed as we get our eyes vertical. Lift up your eyes and the Lord is changing us in this process. We're going to continue this in uh, the message today. The title of the message today is Simply Pray for Your Children. Now, I want to let you know I am qualified for this message because I have some needy children that need prayer. And there they are. The reason I'm showing you this picture is because you will rarely ever see us all standing together at the same time. We are dispersed, especially on a Sunday. Now, I realize that not everybody has a picture that looks like that. As a matter of fact, is when I said that today we're going to be simply praying for our children, some of you checked out or you tried to. I am now reeling you back in. Some of you would say, well, Trent, I don't have children. You may say, I'm not even married yet. Um, that's okay because I want to read you a story about a man who didn't have children but loved to pray for them. From Matthew chapter 19, look at it beginning in verse 13. Then children were brought to him. Guess who he was? Jesus. The parents brought their children to Jesus that he might lay his hands on them and pray. And his disciples, the knuckleheads that they were, rebuked the people. Even though they were disciples, they weren't yet disciple makers apparently because this was a great opportunity to introduce Jesus, to introduce people, uh, little people to Jesus and they didn't have a vision for that. I guess they thought Jesus was too big and bad and awesome and, and he only ministered to really important people and Jesus was exactly the opposite. So these guys were still learning how to become disciple makers. He rebuked them and uh, Jesus said, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. 
and he laid his hands on them and went away. Do you realize the story we just read? We have a 30-something-year-old, single, never-married man who loved children. And parents felt so safe that they entrusted their children to this man. Do you know the same thing is happening in this building right now? Because on the other side of that wall, there is a 30-somethings-year-old, single, never-married man who is ministering to some of our children. And he's praying for them and he's, he's, he's uh, ministering God's word to them. Thank God for a church that loves children. Thank God for people who don't have children that still love to pray for children. So don't use the excuse, I don't have children, this message is not for me. It sure is for you. Some of you would say, well, I no longer have kids. I'm looking at some gray hair right now. And some of you say, listen, I've done all the damage I can do. They're out there and I'm just like, I just got them out there as quick as I can. Listen, um, you may ha now have grandchildren. You'll be praying for them. And some of you in the older generation have some availability to help the rest of us that are dysfunctional parents help pray for our kids. Some of you would say, well, this, this topic is painful because I've lost a child. Tragically, there are some people in here that through a miscarriage or maybe even a death, you've lost a young person that was very dear to you. And I would just say to you, do not check out on me. Your heavenly Father knows exactly what it feels like to watch a son die. And He has a heart for you. And he doesn't want you to lose your heart for children because of a tragedy that may have happened in your background. Others of you may have lost a child through a custody battle or through a divorce. Maybe you don't have a, a marriage partner. Some of you are single moms and single dads and you're doing the best you can. You especially need to embrace the role of prayer in the life of your children. Others of you are like, yeah, now I got stepkids. I got kids that don't even have my last name. They're living in my house and I'm supposed to parent and pray for them. And I would just say to you, remember, if you're a step parent, you have to invest in your stepkids and win your, the hearts of your stepkids to the same degree that you've invested in and won the hearts of their mom or dad. Just because you won the heart of their mom or dad doesn't mean automatically that you've won the right to speak into their life. You want to speak into their life? Let me give you a surefire way. Ask them how you can pray for them and let them see you praying for them every day and you'll find out that you'll win their hearts and allow you to speak into their life. Others of you, you say, well, I didn't have a great model in this area. I, my mom and dad, I don't think they ever prayed for me. I don't even know if they ever prayed at all. And so maybe you didn't have a great model. I would say to you, listen, you, nobody in here gets to choose your heritage. You don't get to choose your parents. But everybody in here gets to choose your legacy. And you could actually turn the tide of generations if you would simply pray for those that come behind you.
Others of you would say, well, this parent, this is not for me because I am the kid and I am the one that needs the prayer. Would you please just make it easy for us to pray for you, okay? Or maybe during this message, you could be praying for your parents to know how to pray for you. So this is messages for everybody. We're going to see five things here that can help us pray for our kids. Before we do that, let me just say this. Two very simple principles here from, from Matthew 19. Faithful parents tell their kids about Jesus and tell their Jesus about their kids. Okay? So please hear me. If you are hearing me say, as a parent, all you have to do is simply pray, you missed it. Okay? You can't bring the kids home from the hospital, stick them over in a corner and say, I'm going to pray. Uh, You got to do more than that. You have to parent as you pray. Because children need parents and they need prayer, okay? In those early years, in the first five years, I mean, you got to teach them the alphabet and you got to teach them, um, you, you got to change them and you got to feed them and you got to teach them to share in that next season. You, you've got to teach them to obey. Most important word in the English language for a child is the word obey. And that's the first Bible verse they need to learn is Ephesians 6 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. And as you're praying, you have to teach them to obey. You have to teach them to respect others. You have to teach them to share their stuff. You have to teach them to forgive the children whose parents didn't teach them to share their stuff. You got to do all this while you're praying. It's called parenting. And then as they get older, you're having awkward conversations about sexuality and relationships and boyfriends and girlfriends and husbands and wives and threats and and darkness and light and not this, but that and media and all the dangers out there that are trying to steal their hearts away from us. That's called parenting. And then as you get older, you go from training to coaching. You understand they don't let the coaches in the game. The coaches have to stand on the sidelines. You can send in a play every now and then. You can shout instructions. They only let you on the field when the kid gets hurt, and then you get to get in there and drag him off for the healing process. But that you become a coach as you get early, older. This is all parenting, and it's all part of the first responsibility to tell your kids about Jesus and what Jesus expects from their life and how to be right with God through faith in Jesus. Now, once you've done all that as a parent, then you realize... I need supernatural help because the best of my parenting is only going to produce a well-behaved, self-righteous, religious Pharisee. God, would you get involved? Because there's stuff that needs to happen in this kid's heart that I can't affect. And so, God, let me tell you about my kids. Did you see what they did yesterday? Did you see their attitude? Did you see how they didn't share that? Did you see they tried to put cabbage in the paper shredder? You tell your kids. You tell your kids about Jesus and then you tell Jesus about your kids. If you don't simply pray, do you know what you will simply do? You will simply worry, fear, control, abuse, or abandon your kids. But if you will learn to simply pray, those things will get off the agenda and you'll find yourself worrying less, abandoning less, controlling less, and asking God to do 
what a parent can't do, and that is to draw their hearts to him. So let's talk about these five ways we can pray for our kids. First of all, simply pray for their parents' marriage to be intimate and permanent. Simply pray for their parents' marriage to be intimate and permanent. Do you realize that I just told you the best thing you can pray is not your kids? Because your kids need an environment that is actually healthy to grow up in. If you went out on the streets, did a Facebook survey, if you ask a bunch of godless people that didn't know anything about the Bible, hey, what do you think might be some ingredients that should be in a home that a kid would grow up in that would turn out okay? Do you know what they would say? They would say, well, a a child probably needs uh, stability, security, safety. Um, He needs an environment where he's loved and there's trust and commitment. Do you know what the Bible calls that? Marriage. And isn't it interesting as the culture tries to unravel the whole concept of marriage that we stand back and like, I wonder why our kids are so dysfunctional. God designed a child to grow up in a home where his biological mother is married to his biological father and they together are pursuing oneness in a husband-wife relationship. And the byproduct of that is it produces a healthy environment for a parent-child relationship. Now listen, what I'm describing right now is rare. As a matter of fact, statistics tell us only 27% of children in America today will grow up through their entire childhood living with their biological father and their biological mother who are married through, through that entire time. One in four. I am talking to people that didn't experience that. And I'm talking to husbands and wives that aren't currently married to the mother or father of their biological children. God has grace for all of that. Maybe you didn't know any better. Maybe you did the best you can. But now you're hearing the truth and you can lean in and receive God's mercy and grace. Get on God's plan so that not only you can honor God, but your children can see the model that Jesus designed for them to turn out right. We're in Matthew chapter 19, verses 13 through 15. Do you know what the first 11 verses in Matthew 19 are? It contains the longest, most specific teaching of Jesus on marriage. And one day these guys, some religious nuts came up and said, Hey, Jesus, tell us what you think about divorce. You know what Jesus told them about? What he thought about marriage. And he simply quoted from the second page of the Bible. In chapter 5, this is what he says. He says, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh so that they are no longer two but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. No wonder parents brought their children to Jesus because he knew something about God's design for children to be raised in the stability and security and safety of a home that wasn't broken. Now, again, 
I have compassion for all of you that are in broken homes. You're going through broken situations. But for those of you that are wondering whether or not God's plan works, it works. Follow God's plan before you pray for your children. Pray for the parents of your children that their marriage would be intimate and permanent and it would go the distance. Jesus assumes in verse 5 that the time a child would leave a biological mother and a biological father is when he was an adult ready for marriage. And that is the time. So let's pray together that we would model that. If you can't get your marriage thing right, why do you think your children would want to have anything to do with marriage? You've got to make marriage desirable for those children because they've seen it work between their biological father and their biological mother. Interestingly, when you go back down, you skip back down to verse 15. I love this. It says, after Jesus had prayed for them, he laid his hands on them and he went away. In other words, Jesus gave them back. It's like, you, I'm not starting a daycare service here, okay? There is a job for you to do. And I've equipped you and given you everything you need. Remember how I taught you that the two are to become one? Now in that context, raise your own kids. They're yours. And so, yeah, you can bring them to Jesus, but Jesus is going to give them back to you at the end of the day. All right. It's your job as parents to raise them in the safety and security of a permanent marriage. Here's the second way you can pray for your kids. Simply pray they will come to Christ in repentance and faith. Simply pray that they will come to Christ in repentance and faith. Jesus in verse 14 said, let the little children come. He invites children by faith to trust him. He invites these children to have a relationship with them. Jesus loves the little children. All the children of the world. Red, yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Remember that? It's true. Jesus loves these children. But as a parent, we have to understand that our children must come to the place where they choose to love him back. They have to make a choice. I'm not going to love myself. I'm not going to love the world. I'm going to choose. I'm going to make a choice to love Christ. I'm going to stop loving myself. I'm going to stop loving my appetites. And I'm going to trust Jesus. I'm going to stop trusting myself. I'm going to stop trusting my parents' faith. I'm going to stop trusting this religious knowledge that my parents poured into me since I was in the nursery. And I'm going to trust Jesus. Listen. The number one role of a parent in a child's life is to become that child's evangelist. We talk a lot about making disciples around here. Hey, you can't jump over your kids and start making disciples in your small group. Jump over your small group and start making disciples in Michiana. Jump over your small group and start making disciples in Liberia. you got to start at home. And do you know what so many parents do? They assume that because they've told their children the truth, they've taught them about Jesus, they've brought them to church, they've assumed that their children are genuinely converted to Christ. And yet when you examine that child's life, it doesn't look like 
Christ. Look at this verse. Jesus said this, Matthew chapter 7, here's how you can know whether or not your children have genuinely been converted. It says, every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. The illustration has to do with something that has life. Spiritual life is a result of spiritual birth. There can be no spiritual life if there has been no spiritual birth. If there has been spiritual birth, there will be spiritual life that will produce spiritual fruit. And yet so many parents claim to love their kids so much, they couldn't bear the thought of actually believing what God says is true about them. The gospel is this, without spiritual birth, they will never see the kingdom of God. Without spiritual fruit, there is no evidence of spiritual life or spiritual birth. Do you love your kids enough to preach the gospel to them? To tell them, you know what? God is holy and you are not. I know you've been taught you're a good little boy. Listen, if you raise your children to believe they're awesome, why would you be surprised when they think that they're so awesome they don't need God? Tell them they're not awesome. God is awesome. And they need a Savior. God is holy. And one day they will stand before God in judgment. And they will give an account of their life. And if they haven't had a substitute righteousness imparted to them because of the work of Jesus on the cross, they will spend an eternity without God and without you in heaven. Say, I want to spend eternity with you. Come with me. Leave your life of sin. Embrace Christ as your Savior. You need to be born again. You need to, you need to be declared righteous before God. Can you believe that your parenting isn't good enough? Some parents have a hard time admitting this because it's a challenge to their pride. To think, are you trying to say I haven't been a good enough parent? I brought my kids to to church, I read them the Bible, and now you're saying they're not a Christian? I'm telling you that bringing them to church and reading their Bible doesn't make them a Christian. And I'm telling you that you need to simply pray that God would grant them repentance and faith, which grants spiritual conversion and regeneration to their heart. And you're not doing them any favors if you're pretending they're really good enough. I remember years ago when my kids were young enough, we were still tucking them in bed at night. And I always used that opportunity to kind of get the gospel to them, you know. And so have you noticed that your kids, they, they don't like to go to bed. They just want to stay up all the time. Well, you can actually use that to your advantage as a parent. You can actually get them to talk to you at the end of the day because it's an excuse for them to stay up later. They won't talk to you any other time of the day. But at the end of the day, they want to stay up and talk. 
So you could talk about all kinds of things. I mean, you just they don't care. You can read the Bible. You can preach. You can you could put my sermon on. That'll put them to sleep. You know, you do all kinds of stuff to, to leverage your, your position as a parent there. And I remember that uh, our youngest child, Leah, she was probably about four years old one night. And I went in and tuck her in the bed and, and she's all tucked in there. She's got her teddy bear. And I, I very vividly remember this. She's got her, her blankets pulled up like this and her eyes are real big and she wants to talk. I was like, okay, okay, it's time to pray. It's time to pray. So, uh, so I closed my eyes and I began to pray and I began to pray the gospel and I prayed the gospel much like I preached the gospel. And God, would you just help Leah to understand that she needs you as her savior? And I pray that you would show her her sin, but more importantly, show her that you died on the cross to take away her sin. Thank you for taking away the sin of the world. And I just pray that you would help Leah to understand that at the earliest possible age and you would grant her justification. You would declare her righteous before God. Thank you for taking her sin away. I prayed something like that. And I remember when I said amen, I looked up and her eyes were huge, like ping pong balls. I'm like, what's wrong? She said, did you pray? Did you say that Jesus took my sin away? And I thought, this is it. This is the moment. God's answering my prayer. God's enlightening her heart to the gospel. God's giving her an appetite to repent and believe the gospel. I said, well, yes, Jesus. Uh, yes, Leah, Jesus died to, he, to take your sin away. She said, I want them back. <laughs> I mean, she was thinking Jesus had broken in the room, confiscated sin that belonged to her. File a police report. I want those sins back right now. Who's this guy think he is? Take away something I got. But that's what they need. It's not coming to church. They can't get to heaven on your faith. It has to be their own personal faith. And without a work of grace in response to your prayers as a parent, they can't see it. So pray that God would open their eyes to the necessity of repentance and faith. Well, whether we're parents or not, all of us have a responsibility to pray for the children that God brings into our spheres of influence. Trent Griffith will finish this message next week. Some dads may want the son to be captain of the team. And others, all they want to see is all A's, no B's. Still others want the son to be star of the show. But if I could have one wish for you, this is what I know. All I really want for you is that you be men of God to follow after Him with all your heart. And all I really want for you is to seek the Holy One. All I want for you is that you'd be a man of God. Now the truth is that you'll have to make choices for your life and I pray you'll hear his call and follow Christ but your mom and I want you to know you're always in God's hands and before the foundation of this world he had for you a plan and all we really You know, it occurs to me that one really great way fathers and mothers can invest in the spiritual lives of their children 
is by making sure your family attends a solid, Bible-believing, Christ-exalting church. And if you're looking for a church like that, why don't you visit Harvest Bible Chapel? We'd be honored to have you visit us for a worship service. And in order to do that, there's a lot of helpful information right on our website, harvestgranger.org. Again, that's harvestgranger.org. Or find us on Facebook by looking up Harvest Bible Chapel Granger. So when you think about the children in your life, what gives you joy? Next week, we're going to hear what gave joy to a spiritual father in the New Testament. Pastor Trent concludes his message on simply praying for our children then. Well, happy Father's Day, and thanks for listening. I'm Aaron Paulus, and my prayer is that God's Word would resonate in your heart and mind this week. Resonate with Trent Griffith is a radio ministry of Harvest Bible Chapel Granger. Visit us online at harvestgranger.org.